and Luke. Who are you? Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witchbuster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, we are live from the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center. It is the Wolf and Luke Show. Wolf, what's going on over there? Oh, man, not a whole lot, Luke, as you can see clearly. <laughs> and I'll put them on to you, Luke. What's That's, going on you know, with you? Do you feel good? Do you feel well-rested, of course, with your your little hiatus you went on? You have to feel better, I would imagine. I, I, I do, but you know how it is. Like it was, it was four days, but it feels like I am relearning how to like operate a microphone and have <laughs> It's not like this is the most complicated profession in the world. But it is one of the things I will admit. I go away from time to time on vacation. We call it going away. That's what we <laughs> basically do. We go away, of course. And every time you come back, you're like, man, can I still do this? Talk into the microphone. La, 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 la. No. Okay. Next. It, it does sort of shed light on how ridiculous the job is, though. Okay. Can I get, can I get back into this? What do I have to do? Uh, talk, but turn that way when you talk. Right. All right. I can do that. And by the way, Talk for four hours. <laughs> well, the Phoenix Suns are going to make it a little bit easier on us today, Wolf. Oh, here we go. Suns Mavericks tonight, part two. The first uh, the first rematch was all the way back in the opener. The Suns won that game 107-105. And since then, the Suns have built a record of 16-7 and right there at the top of the Western Conference. Dallas is 11-11. and And before we get into the actual like details of the game, how about just the simple fact... When they play the Mavericks, it feels like there's a little bit more on the line. Just everything right now. The dislike that you have in your heart immediately <laughs> for the Dallas Mavericks. You get it's to see Luca again. You know what? Honestly, this may be controversial. To me, it's not so much Luca. I'm going to come back with some controversy. Boy, uh, how about that? You just got right back into the saddle right, That's right. there. That's right. Uh, this is going to be controversial. It, it, to me, it's not so much Luca that bothers me. And this, I reserved the right to change this in about nine-ish hours. Okay. It is the Mavericks fans on social media that constantly yeah. send you the picture of Luca smiling at Booker. Look. Dallas took the Suns out of the playoffs. You can't, if you're a Suns fan, you can't undo that. Booker has owned the Mavericks since since Luka got there, though, with the exception of one week. Now, granted, it was the most important week, but this 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 pretending like that Luka has owned the Suns, he loses to him every time he plays them, except in Game 6 and Game 7 last year. Yeah, can I just say this quickly right here, based on earnings? I don't know if you happen to listen on Friday. It was Paul Calvisi, myself, and Lorenzo Alexander. Oh, a party. Actually said, and it was a party for four hours for the most part, and uh, we had a conversation with Paul Calvisi about Devin Booker or Luka Doncic, who would you take? It's very interesting. The two players, the two players that were on this little panel of three, of course, uh, Lorenzo Alexander and myself, we'd take Devin Booker, bar none. It's not even close. And the reason being, of course, is because how much we respected Devin Booker on the offensive end and the defensive end. The fact that he is a basketball player, he is a complete player. I love that about Devin Booker. Absolutely love it. 
but the very tangible aspect of Devin Booker being a guy that can play defense and a guy that can score the basketball. I loved it. Paulie's argument, of course, was just, of course, look at Luka Doncic and the impact that he has on games. And there's no denying that he does have impacts on games. But I don't like how he competes. And Lorenzo Alexander totally agrees with that. He doesn't like the way that Luka Doncic competes. He flops. He's got the European thing that is in him. He tries to trick you. as to, And it's kind of like this mocking laugh type thing that he's got going. I don't like that. I don't. I don't appreciate that. Give me your best. Quit the flopping all over the place and just give me your best competition. Lorenzo felt exactly the same way. Yeah, it's it's funny because you you instantly get called a homer if you'd rather have the guy on I, I'm your just team. Saying, right, exactly. I don't care. Um, People out there already call me that. I don't care. Listen to what I say. <laughs> well, not your you not your own weakness. Don't project that on me, please. It's it's hard to go. It's hard to go against Booker, you know. And I I was not that guy, you know. Back when the Suns were struggling, and it was like, okay, would you would you be willing to trade this pick? Would you be willing to trade Josh Jackson for this grid player? And it's like, no, Josh Jackson's amazing. Everybody on our roster is amazing, and you're winning 20 games a year. And I would never trade any of our players because they're they're so much better than everybody else. You tend to overvalue your own players, right? But I think Devin Booker is a different case. There's not. And maybe Giannis <laughs> that I would trade Devin Booker for. Like Devin Booker, in, in addition to just the value he has because he's been a son and all that that has, all that that has meant because he was here for the bad years. Like you can't you can't just dismiss that. By the way, the guy's averaging like forty five ga- points a game last week too. He's he's one of the best players in the NBA right now. If you just look at like his overall numbers, top to bottom over the last couple weeks, he's right up there, number one, number two in the NBA. There's not many guys I would trade Booker for. Um, the Luka thing is weird because they are 11-11. and Do you really think Dallas is a threat at all to come out of the West? I remember doing a show with Kellen right before the start of the season. We both had Dallas in the play-in round. Like, they're just not that good of a team. Yeah. And if Luka was that amazing... Shouldn't they be better than eleven and eleven? Like, is he going to win MVP when they're forty-one and forty-one? See, you know, once again, uh, no is the answer to that, of course. And the reason being is because of the intangible that I think Luka Doncic brings. I don't know this. I'm not inside the locker room. I, I, I don't. But I don't ever. Do you hear Luka Doncic? Do you hear a lot of players saying what a great leader he is? I just think I, he's such a good player. That's all anybody talks I, no, about. No, I mean, and that's what he is. He he's such a good offensive player. That's what he is. And because of that, once again, Lorenzo Alexander and myself, the former players, we we cared about the intangibles. Yeah, you better believe it. We cared whether or not he played defense and wanted to play defense. Uh, that matters to me. It does. I want I want a guy that is a complete player to be my team leader, and that's what Devin Booker is. He's a complete player. Yeah, that I think that's what it what it comes down to right there. Is is for me? It's it's not a knock on Luca. It's just Booker. There's nothing 
more than I could ask from Devin Booker over the years he's been here for the Suns. Like he starts off, he's on a terrible team. Okay, maybe back then it was it was a big deal to get seventy points. Maybe it was a bigger deal to get stats than wins because you couldn't win with that team. But each year he has gotten better and better. And the pushback of oh, what's he done in the playoffs? They almost won the title two years ago. Right. Like people just forget that they yeah. went on this run and won two games in the NBA Finals because they bowed out too early last year. There's nothing I would change about Devin Booker. So if if you're asking me, would I rather have Luca or Da? Yeah. All right. I mean, Luca's a better player. And once again, would I rather have Luca or Booker? I'm not really moving Booker for maybe one or two guys in the NBA. Once again, for clarity, Luka Doncic, I'll I'll play Devin Booker in last year's series. Not even close. He outplayed Devin Booker. There's no denying that. Yet at the same time, I'm thinking big picture. I'm thinking big picture, and because of it, this is just another chapter in that big picture, so to speak. It really is. Tonight, after winning the first game of the season, remember that game? Yeah. What was it? 107 105? 107-105. 107-105. Honestly, was that the game? Am I remembering this correctly where Chris Paul sat down? Was uh-huh. in, in crunch time? At the time? end of the game, At yeah. the end of the game? Yeah, remember because they were getting blown out at halftime. We're all like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> You're getting blown out by Dallas again? <laughs> yes, exactly. And yet they came back, of course, and Chris Paul was sitting down during the crunch of that game. And that blew my mind. Boy, that should have been our first indication that things might be a little bit different this year. And I remember specifically having that conversation to some degree. Um, but that was our first indicator that Monty Williams was going to do some things differently. And I think the Suns have. Back when Chris Paul used to play? Yes. <laughs> it's been almost a full month since we've seen Chris Paul. Look, like I said, it's it's not. I'm not trying to sit here and bag on Luka. He's, he's an outstanding player. He's one of, what, the three or four best players in the NBA. I just think it's it's all about fit. Not bagging on him. I'm just actually saying what I prefer as a former player myself. What it is that I enjoy in a teammate. And I enjoy in a teammate somebody who gives me their best. And that's Booker period. Night. Yeah, And that's Devin Booker. What you see is what you're going to get on both ends of the floor. Period. That matters to me instead of some of this offensive flopping and winking at the official and laughing his way through not getting calls and getting calls. Come on. It, it really is. Doesn't it feel like the biggest... Maybe rivalry is not the right word, but these games against Dallas, and honestly, Dallas could be 5-17 and 17 right now. They still carry more weight when they come up on the schedule. Totally agree. The Lakers carry weight. The Warriors carry weight. And any, any team that is especially good, like Boston on Wednesday is going to carry weight because Boston is so good. But when I see Dallas on the schedule, I'm like, okay, here we go. It's another round of Booker versus Luka and all that comes with that. And Mavericks fans act, acting like they won the title last year because the Suns melted down for a week, which they did. It's undeniable. Uh, all right, when we come back, well, first of all, this week you can uh, listen for the Pantera call-out. And once you hear Wolf do the call-out, so he's going to be doing that all this week, dial 602-260-9870 for your chance to win tickets to see Metallica with Pantera at State Farm Stadium September 1st. That's uh, that's not bad, Wolf. Uh, Metallica and Pantera September 1st. Sweet. Did you know you're doing call-outs all week? Because we you are. we got to get Anselmo on, man. Um, what uh, what can the Cardinals accomplish with five games to go as they sit at 4-8? and eight? We're going to tell you next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Big Red Monday and Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. 
All right, we are back at it now. The Arizona Cardinals, this is officially a game week, although it's a weird one, Wolf, because you're coming off a bye week and you don't play till Monday. So any sort of routine that you get into, and maybe this isn't the worst thing for the Cardinals this season, that's thrown off. You know, I was thinking about this driving over here. The, the days of, of an NFL player being like, okay, this is my routine. I've got 16 games, and this is what I do on Mondays, and this is what I do on Wednesdays. And Isn't that kind of out the window now anyway? Because you have a couple Monday night games thrown in. You have a Thursday yeah. night. You have a bye week. It just feels like, other than like the first five or six weeks of the season, that just gets tossed out the window now by the league anyway. Yeah. No, you're right about that. Yet at the same time, I think for the most part, um, you're playing a Sunday game. The the majority of your games probably going to be on a Sunday. So because of that, you know, yeah, does it get messed up from time to time because of the Monday night games and a Thursday night? Of course it does. But the vast majority of your games, you're uh, not the vast majority, the majority of your games, you're still playing on Sunday. I went, uh, I watched the most recent Hard Knocks last night. So because I've been watching them on Wednesdays, obviously last night I watched it kind of get back into the like the, the, the Cardinals season spirit here. Um, the one thing that stood out, Wolf, first of all, I was like, why am I reliving this game against the Chargers? Why am I doing <laughs> why, this to myself? Why did I do this? And, and then you, you find yourself watching like Isaiah Simmons has the sack up the middle and you're like, yeah, maybe this game ended differently on yeah. the HBO cameras. Maybe there's a different... No, no, they still lost by one. But... Um, at least going into last week, and I'm, I'm hoping for more of the same this week and going forward, these guys haven't quit on this season or on Cliff. Now, I know that that's the thing you say when your season's done. Well, at least they haven't quit. That's a, if I said that going into week one, hey, at least they won't have quit by Thanksgiving. You'd yeah. be like, great, I'm out. Uh, but, you know, that's that to me is the biggest thing now going forward. What can you show in these final five games of the season? And at least going into last week, they it didn't seem like anybody had kind of checked out. Yeah. You know, when I talk about this right here, you know, yeah, they, they're still playing hard. And uh, that does matter. Isn't that the way it should always be? Uh, yeah, it should isn't, be. Isn't, <laughs> isn't that the way it should always be? Again, I as a former player, I can't get over that. I can't get past it. I, I've seen guys call it quits. I've seen guys where suddenly you had four or five games left in the season, and it didn't matter because we were eliminated. How many teams I played for that had losing records going into December, and we didn't have a chance to actually get into the postseason. Have I seen guys pull the stakes up and move to a new village? Yes, I have seen that. Um, yet at the same time, I, I can't tolerate it. I, I can't. And um, that is something that I think over the next five weeks you can look at. You can watch as to whether or not a human being goes out there and plays hard, plays up to his capability, or does not. And if the question is does not, you have to ask the question, why are you here? Because if you'll quit then, you'll quit in another time. And maybe it's going to be an important time. And suddenly you're just not going to bring your best or be capable of bringing your best. And that is a blight on a human being playing in the National Football League, if you ask me. That you would even dare quit. Yet, Luke, to your point, are there guys? Yeah, I think there probably are guys that will pack it in. Yeah. Yeah. Why they do that, I don't know. Uh, it's uh, Yeah, <laughs> that's but, a great but question. I, I can't stand the thought of that, that there's a guy out there playing in the National Football League. This is how you support your family, dude. This is how you're supporting yourself. This is how you're making a way. 
you as a man, does it not matter to you what people think of you and your job and how you go about your business? It should. That much I know, yet I am willing to admit there will be dudes who pull the stakes off. I'll go back to what Lorenzo Alexander said a couple weeks ago. I think this was going into the Monday, or maybe it was coming out of the Monday night game. Um, and it was, it was the first half of the show when you were coming back from Mexico City. And, and he was like, look, you never know as an NFL player when it's your last game anyway, regardless. So why wouldn't you play every single game like it's your last? Because it's the NFL. And I mean, I, I don't think, certainly if you've never played in the NFL, as I've never played in the NFL, if, if I was all of a sudden in the NFL, tomorrow and they were like, yeah, but the game, we're not going to make the playoffs. I wouldn't care. It's just playing the NFL, right? I would assume most of the guys in the league have that perspective still of I'm playing in the NFL. Yes. And, and and for some of these guys, do I want to continue to play in the NFL? Because the next five weeks are in audition, whether it's to stay with the Cardinals or to play somewhere else around the league. Because let's, let's not mince words here, Wolf. The Cardinals are going to have to make changes going yeah. into the next season. Yeah. So if you go out there in these last five weeks and you're like, eh, I'll give you like 70% because we're sure. not making the playoffs. Well, then you better not be here next year. Right. Um, listen, uh, we're going to get into this a little bit more in detail as the show unfolds, but there is reason to expect a lot of these veterans to go out and ball out over the last five weeks. We'll get into that, but what can be accomplished when you're four and eight with five games to go? Um, okay, so Kyler Murray, once again, this is something that I was talking about a lot last week. Kyler Murray, uh, you got to get him right, first and foremost. That is job one right now. How many games you're going to win, I have no idea. You're going to try to win them all. Of course, you're going to go out there and try to win them all. You're not going to worry about your draft position. You're not going to do that. It's way more important to get Kyler Murray correct, to get him right in this offense, an offense that is developing, an offense you can actually carry into the offseason and say, this is who we're going to be, and then build based on you saying this is who we're going to be over the last five games to find an identity offensively that Steve Kime can build around, that Cliff Kingsbury can build around, an offense that's going to be balanced, run pass in terms of plays you're going to call, an offense that's going to be explosive in terms of taking shots down the field. We haven't seen enough of that, just have not seen anywhere close to the number of shots that I thought we were going to see. A bend, uh, a blend, I should say, between the old and the new. You've got to have all of this, but it all... It all swirls around Kyler Murray. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's five games left. The difference to me between, oh, they went three and two, or oh, they went two and three, or one and four, or whatever. That, it matters in the moments, and it certainly matters watching the game because it's frustrating. It's like, we're really going to lose to Denver if that happens. But the bigger thing, you're 100% right, Wolf, is how does Kyler Murray evolve over these next few weeks? And you could say, well, big deal. That's not going to carry over to next year. Well, yeah. If you beat Atlanta in Week 17, that doesn't carry over to next year. You don't get credit for beating the Falcons in Week 17 of this year. Kyler Murray getting better carries over into next year. That's the one thing that you can carry over into next year that actually matters. This would be, this would be to me, this is just me, the perfect time to put Kyler Murray under center and say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to develop this part of the offense because we got five games to go. We're out of the playoffs. This is what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to go ahead and we're going to develop an offense that can 
Go out and actually perform. Try some stuff. I mean, that's Just what try I'm some saying. Stuff. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't understand why they wouldn't do that at this point in time unless Kyler Murray is just like, I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm not going under center. I can't stand playing under center. But that, to me, I'm going to be watching that to see what they do. I would think if it were that, if that were the case, if Kyler Murray is like, no, I'm not getting under center, it's a lot tougher for me specifically when I'm under center and, and we got a beat up offensive line. I would think if that's the case, being four and eight would be enough to change that. I, I would think whatever the situation is, because now, Wolf, I'm starting to turn into you. I watch these games on Sunday and I see other teams where the quarterback goes under center and they've been running well all game and they, they it's fourth and one and they, and they just continuously will run a, a play action rollout, whatever, and they get the first down every time. Every time they get the first down doing that. That's well, not every time. It I'm feels sure. like every it's time. A, but it feels like every time. And I'm just like, okay, that's a play the defense will give you at that point in the game that the Cardinals aren't taking. So yes, in the next five weeks, it would be nice to see that get worked in there because there's no reason not to at this point. You're four and eight. And here's the whole thing about that, too. Once again, um, the more you do it, the least likely they are to expect it. Yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, you know, now all of a sudden it's like, yeah, he gets under center all the time. They hand the ball off. They attack the line. They pound the line of scrimmage. I better be ready. I better be ready. Oh, there's the tight end in the flat. Dink. Even if you're not going to do it next year, doing it this year is going to make teams think twice when next year starts. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, week 13 in the NFL is basically in the books. we got one more game tonight. We're going to take you through everything that happened yesterday. Next, with our NFL Rapid Fire, it's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, let's go rapid fire around the National Football League. We're not going to talk about the Thursday game. That was feels like it was ages ago, and obviously there is a game tonight that still has to happen. But the games that took place yesterday, Wolf, we'll just go right down the list. Just for the record, the Bills did beat the Patriots. <laughs> you know, the, the Bills are back as the number one seed in the uh, AFC, too. Did you see that? My Buffalo Bills. That's all I'm saying, Bill. Right, right, uh, right back up there to the top. All right, let's uh, let's ease into this. Let's start with the Steelers and the Falcons. Steelers get a 19-16 win. Okay, you know Mike Tomlin's inching back to uh, closer to 500 each week. They're five and seven, won a couple in a row. Atlanta, meanwhile, is boy <laughs> the NFC South. It just Brady and the Buccaneers probably don't need to win another game and they'll win the division the way it's going. Atlanta's now five and eight. Arthur Smith after the game was asked if it's time to change quarterbacks. Arthur, are you planning on making a change at quarterback? Well, Mike, you know, it's a unique time. We're ready to go in the bye. So we'll evaluate everything. Everything, every job's open. Right. Well, there it is right there, going into the bye. Every job is open, he says. You know what? As it should be. So does that mean Desmond Ritter? What is that? <laughs> I mean, Atlanta's, they're done. They're 5-8. and eight. They're basically done. You know, watching the uh, the Seahawks game yesterday, we'll get into this in a second, but they nearly lost, obviously, to the Rams, a very beat-up Rams team. So I give the Seahawks a ton of credit for being where they are, and they did win, so they're 7-5. and five. If they had lost that game, 
six and six, and now they're the seventh seed. Like yes. that seventh spot is still wide open. I don't mean this for the Cardinals. I mean it for the Cardinals if they had just won one more game. But uh, but I don't know. It's it, Atlanta's dropping out. I mean, you see more and more teams that that look like maybe they were overachieving that are starting to drop out now in the NFC. Yeah, you know it's interesting to see the Seahawks and the way they struggled against a very depleted Rams team. Though you bring that up and. Yeah, um, they won the game, and that's all that really matters. But you have to wonder. We all looked at the Seahawks <laughs> a little skeptical in the first half of the season, and they really have come back to earth, I think, in the second half. Uh, let's go to Green Bay, Chicago. Aaron Rodgers, Wolf, as it turns out, does still own the Bears. I thought this was going to be if Chicago was ever going to have a chance to catch the, the Packers. This was certainly the time to do it. Uh, they did not Packers win. 28-19, Aaron Rodgers after the game said, yeah, it's good to beat Chicago. The win against the Bears is always a little more special. There was other things involved. The uh, all-time win total was cool. Another fourth quarter comeback. Um, yeah, this was a different Bears team. Obviously, Jalen is a super talented player with a lot of young guys playing outside of that. Other than 36. Uh, but you know, they got a talented quarterback who's got a chance to be around for a long time. Really good running back. Stud young receiver. DQ making plays. So it's a competitive game, but definitely didn't want to be walking in here, losing to the Bears. It's been, it's been a nice eight straight for us. <laughs> Just it's make so, sure you throw that stat out there. You know what's so nice about it right there? Uh, that is such a metaphorical stick to the eye of like every Chicago sticks. Bears fan that is listening to him right there. And that's exactly who that was directed toward. The Bears fan. You notice he went down, he, he complimented uh, Justin Fields, of course. He complimented. Nobody by name, but yeah. <laughs> just absolutely yeah. went down and complimented their roster, though, and said, hey, you know what? They've got some good players out there, and you know what? Um, we, we just went out and played better. Uh, to me, again, this is a very professional way of doing it. It's not Aaron Rodgers trying to stick uh, Justin Fields in the eye. It's the dude up in row three that was calling him things yeah. all game long that he's trying to stick in the eye. He had to make sure he threw that in there a couple times. A couple stats like, hey, do you want to ask me about eight in a row? Do you want to ask me about the all-time uh, win total? Do you want to ask me about... Uh, exactly, you know, yeah. I, I, I get a nice quarterback, nice running back, but it's good to not... At least we didn't go into Chicago and lose. As bad as the season has been, at least we didn't lose to the Bears. Yeah. Uh, Fourth quarter comeback, as you said. Yeah, Christian Watson all of a sudden can catch and is good. Did I mention the fourth quarter yes. comeback? Oh, did you guys okay. notice the fourth quarter comeback when we yeah, came back? We were 18 uh, nothing in the fourth quarter. That's how we won this game. All right, how about uh, Detroit at home over Jacksonville, Wolf? Have you seen what the Lions are doing? 40-14 to 14 over the Jaguars yesterday. Now you look at the, the Detroit Lions have won four of their last five games. And had they not let it slip away against Buffalo on Thanksgiving, we'd be talking about, <laughs> believe it or not, one of the hottest teams in football. If you want to get upset as a Cardinals fan, and I don't know why you would want to, but here you go. Detroit at 5-7, and seven, 
Again, had Seattle lost yesterday, it would be one game out of a playoff spot. Now they're two. I mean, they're probably not going to make it. But the fact that Detroit is in the playoff conversation shows you how wide open the bottom of the NFC playoff race is. You know, there's so many things I'd love to say about the Detroit Lions. I have very little time to do it right here. But I just love their philosophy overall, the physical attitude that they have adopted because of Chris Spielman, of course, who is the director of everything Detroit Lions. Um, he and Dan Campbell have done an incredible job of actually changing the culture up there, and it's starting to show. Yeah, you know, they're not great, but this is a team that will compete to the ground with blood under their nails. And, oh, by the way, the game, specifically against the Jaguars, the Lions scored on each of their first eight drives. That'll work. The most consecutive scoring drives to start a game by the Lions since 1993. <laughs> okay, which, once again, I'm like stunned. You know, was, are you kidding me? They actually had a game where they scored on their first eight drives? Only 29 years? How bad has it got in Jacksonville? Talking about a team that looks as though they got a bunch of quitters. Yeah, that team. <laughs> you get Trevor Lawrence that was supposed to change everything. It really hasn't changed much of anything yet. Here's Dan Campbell after the game. Nothing, nothing has changed. It's the same group of guys that we've talked about, and it's the same group that, you know, when, when things didn't look so good, they put in the same amount of work, and they've just gone in, and they, they have not lost faith, and they're unbroken, they're unshaken, and they just they go to work, man. It's a group of guys that just goes to work, and uh, they believe in the game plan, and there's a, they've got a lot of confidence right now. You know, they trust the guy next to them, and, uh, and we're, we're clicking right now. We're clicking at the right time. Yeah, they're clicking at the right time. It's interesting. Uh, Jared Goff threw for 340 yards. I, I'd love to see a stat as to how many of those throws were on play action. I seriously would love to see that because they attack the line of scrimmage and they run the ball and they do it in a very north-south kind of way. And Jared Goff needs to be in that kind of offense. And I just wonder how many of those yards throwing actually came off of play action. I can tell you a lot of them were to Amon Ross St. Brown, who, uh, what was it, 16 receivers were taken in front of him, and he can yes. name them all in order. Yes. Uh, Minnesota is 10-2, and two, Wolf, and I... <laughs> I... I just don't. I don't believe in them. I really, I, I, and I keep. I, I at keep some trying point to, in time, you have to. I believe in them as you know they're going to win that division. I believe in them in that they're not going to. They'll probably win their first playoff game because what are they going to most likely be the two seed? They're probably going to play like Seattle or the Giants or Washington. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll be picking Minnesota in that game when the playoffs start. I don't believe in them as a Super Bowl contender. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, and look, San Francisco's down to their third string quarterback now, who was just starting in high school in Gilbert like three years ago, it feels like. So I, maybe I need to believe in Minnesota. They did win another one score game yesterday, barely over the Jets. It's truly incredible what they're doing right now. It's not a, It's not an accident. They win these games. It's who they are. It's part of their DNA, and I love it. Look, you can't argue with 10 and 2. I just, I, I can I can tell you when the playoffs roll around and it's 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 round two and okay you have Minnesota and San Francisco who are you taking? Assuming San Francisco has a quarterback, any quarterback, 
I'm taking the 49ers. All right, uh, we'll get to the rest of the games later on in the show. Following their loss on Friday, the Suns responded in a big way against the Spurs yesterday. What did you like about that, and what can they take moving forward? That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, should point this out, too, Wolf, before we get uh, back to Suns. Okay. Sounds like Carolina is letting Baker Mayfield go. So he'll be out there. Man, it's going to be really interesting to see what kind of action there is on Baker Mayfield out there. Isn't that right, John Lynch? I was going to say, because there's a few teams yesterday that that suffered uh, major injuries to their quarterbacks, and not like Baker Mayfield has been amazing or even good the last two years. But um, I don't know. You feel like if I'm Baker Mayfield, I probably want Carolina to let me go today because you may end up as a backup on a good team or who knows with San Francisco. we got to get into the San Francisco situation a little bit because now you don't have Trey Lance or Jimmy G. Back over to the Suns, though, and they lost uh, over the weekend. They lost to, to Houston on Friday by one. Devin Booker had 41 points. That was a nice stretch for Booker of 44, 51, and 41. He had the 51 against Chicago and you know probably could have had more in that one. Um, they bounced back yesterday, though, Wolf, and San Antonio may very well be the team that ends up with the first pick in this year's draft. So it's it's not like you're going to you're gonna send that one to the committee to, to get voted into the playoffs. Hey, we beat San Antonio. Yeah. But they beat them so handily, and again, it's a win without Chris Paul. Devin Booker only had to play 28 minutes. You know, D.A. played 25. Mikel Bridges, just the simple fact that he even played was remarkable. He played 26. It's one of those games, especially the first half of a back-to-back, where you can run away with it and then kind of let your bench take over the second half. See, for me right now, I really loved what I saw from the Phoenix Suns responding, of course, to the Spurs. And they were not responding just to the San Antonio Spurs. It was also the last game they had played, the Houston Rockets. They lost to an inferior team in the Houston Rockets. And, man, I credit the Rockets. They, they played they played They've really hard. Talent. They, it, it doesn't all fit together yet still, but they do have some talent on that Houston team. Yeah, no, they, they played really, really hard. And I think the Suns weren't ready for that, frankly. They weren't. The yeah. Rockets turned the Suns over, what, 18 times in that game, and they were plus 22 in points in the paint. They, they beat the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. And the Suns went out there, and I don't think they were truly prepared for what it was they were going to see. So credit the Rockets for that. But what I loved is how they responded on Sunday night. Here's Monty Williams. Well, Sunday afternoon, I should say. Uh, on what he liked about the win over the Spurs. Just the sacrifice that we talked about yesterday um, on both ends of the floor. When you see the ball movement, the player movement, it's it's impressive. And I thought it gave us a lot of energy tonight. When you play in .5 and you move the ball around like that, it's it's fun basketball. And But I expressed to the guys, it's not always going to be that way. But when the opportunity arises, you have to take advantage of it because those are the kinds of games that build confidence build connection, but it also, in my opinion, can weigh 
wear a team down when they constantly have to move around and chase the ball like that. And then defensively, um, I think it was an 11-point second quarter. Like that, that was pretty impressive. And and so Josh playing the way he played, Dario staying ready mentally and physically, and then the starting group just setting the tone. Like those are the things on the top of my mind. Man, it was interesting because you actually heard Monty talking about that second quarter, and that's where the Suns just exploded in this game. The last four minutes and 40 seconds, as a matter of fact, of the second quarter, Luke, the Suns went on a 20-2 run. 20-2, to two, the last four minutes and 40 seconds of that quarter, and they had a 71-41 halftime lead. That is the definition of going out and saying, okay, this is it. We're going to take care of our business, and we're going to go out and respect our opponent and play up to their caliber and beyond their caliber. And that's exactly what they did. It was almost like the ghost of Friday night was haunting them Sunday afternoon. It's the best of both worlds because, okay, you're up by five after the first. You're up by 30 at halftime. If you want to go out there and get the emphatic win, but also get some of these guys rest, and this is, you know, it goes back to the old debate of load management. I would rather my guys played but just didn't have to play 40 minutes every night. And so we saw yesterday, you know, Devin Booker. How often are you going to see Devin Booker play? I guess 28 minutes. But still, 28 minutes is not much for, for Devin Booker. And, and it's because they took care of their business in the first half that they were able to kind of rest up in the second half, which is big because you are playing Dallas tonight. And while I don't think Dallas is anywhere near a great team or even a very good team, to be honest, they're not a bad team. And they do have a very great player. So you want their, uh, you want your best players available for this one. What did you think of Mikel Bridges playing? Because there was talk after the game against Houston that he might have a hyperextended right knee. Yeah. He goes out there. He plays yesterday. He was good yesterday. Mikel Bridges is not human. So that you have to go through that lens when anytime you talk about him. Keeps the streak alive, and that's, that's great. But it, it was... Like, would you have been that freaked out if he didn't play with, with that injury to his knee? Yeah. Um, you know what? I'm going to trust Mikal Bridges. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave it up to the pro that he is, the sensibilities that he has. I'm going to trust Mikal Bridges to make the right decision in that case. Now, of course, are you going to listen to the training staff? Of course. You're going to consult the trainers, of course, and get their advice on what it is they think he ought to do. But if, in fact, Mikal Bridges... I love the fact that this team is filled with guys who want to play. Want to play in regular season games for the most part. Now, Chris Paul, <laughs> I don't know what happened to Chris That's Paul. That's fine. That's fine. Chris, know, just but, be ready in like I, I agree. March. I agree. Just sit down there, Chris, and get that heel 100%. I don't want that heel to have any soreness. <laughs> I don't want to see a callus on that heel. Not a callus. Um... Can you imagine the thought of Chris Paul like six years ago? Chris Paul, Chris, you you have heel soreness. You're going to miss at least a month. What? I know. I, I just don't see that happening right there. But Mikael Bridges, what was he, six of seven from beyond the arc? Oh, yeah. No, he was great. Mikael Bridges. Just unbelievable. He was on fire. Um, and just going out and playing and competing. He's one of my favorite guys to watch 
as a former professional, he's one of my favorite guys to watch because he gives you all that he has. And I appreciate that and love it. I have to think he is everybody's favorite Phoenix Sun. Behind Booker, obviously. Again, for the reasons earlier, not only is Devin Booker a great player, he was here through the dark times and, and is the reason they pulled out of it, one of the main reasons. But I have to think, Mikel Bridges, if you just pulled all Suns fans, rank your top five favorite Suns currently, yeah. he's probably number two. Now, I want to make sure I say this the right way, Wolf, because Mikel's never missed a game in the NBA. He's never missed a game in college. It's a pretty good streak. And I'm not saying this is what happened yesterday because obviously he was fine. He was 6-7 from 3, and he was a huge reason that they were able to pull away. I just don't want it to ever get to a point where it's like, okay, maybe it's better for Merkel to sit, but we got to keep the streak going. You know what I mean? I've seen it in other sports where guys were playing. That's like, well, I got to keep the streak going, and it's like, okay, you're not <laughs> the the guy that would come off the bench would be better than you right now, which is not going to be the case with Mikel. Yeah. Or we need Mikel at full strength in the playoffs because Chris Paul has missed a month with quote heel soreness unquote. If I, I just don't want if Mikel Bridges actually does get hurt at some point and he needs to sit a week. Yeah. I would rather that than keep the streak going. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they're not going to do that, Luke. I, I, they're they're not going to jeopardize his long term health for a streak that he's got to keep going. It's yeah, a long I mean, streak now. Yeah, but still, you know, uh, you're not going to do that, right, Mikel? You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't ask your team to do that. Risk your long term success and health at the expense of you know continuing that. No, I I don't see that happening. I really don't. I don't see it happening with Mikel, but I have seen it happen in other sports. Yeah, I'm not going to deny that. He just doesn't strike me as that type of guy that, no, this is all about me and my streak. And, you know, what? forget about us as a team. He's a team guy. I agree with that. Period. And he does not strike me to be the guy that's going to be campaigning to play when he shouldn't be, when he should be sat down. And what's going on with Chris Paul right now, that to me, it's not just Chris Paul. It isn't. This is about finding a team when Chris Paul isn't around, right? That's what this really is all about. It feels... It's not the the heel contusion. This is about finding a team and finding a way to win when Chris Paul is not healthy and not in the lineup, right? That's what I think. It feels like this conversation they had before the season, again, that Chris Paul is the one that let us in on after that that win over Houston the first time around, where it almost feels like they sat down and like, okay, look, let's get everything going, right? Let's get this season rolling, right? Chris, you're going to be a big part of this. Chris, anything happens... You're going to sit for a while, and we're going to see, we're going to kind of build the team behind you. And then at some point in the second half of the season, you've got this this bench that you've built up behind Chris Paul and, unfortunately, Cam Johnson. I don't think that was part of the plan. And then you're going to have those guys back healthy, ideally. And then you're going to have a deeper team and a healthier team in the playoffs. I, I mean, what else are you supposed to do after the whatever happened in the playoffs last year? You almost had to attack this year that way. But, no doubt. But we haven't seen Chris Paul in a month because of heel soreness. That's one of the toughest players in NBA history. Yes, <laughs> like, exactly. Let's, let's not, so you figure it out. Yeah. What are they doing? Some of this is, is by design. All right, when we come back, how different is this week for the Cardinals as they gear up to face the Patriots and Bill Belichick on Monday night at State Farm Stadium? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports league. 